Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Packers Podcast on my block from the Believe Network. I'm your host, Mike Wall. This week, we've got our Broncos preview. Our show is sponsored by betonline.ag. BetOnline is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, esports, football, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting, your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get into the action. Remember to use your promo code, believe that's B-L-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where's the game, where the game starts. Uh, fun fact, my uh, my fantasy football uh, group is a bunch of business school friends, uh, and they're from all over the world. And so half of them don't know anything about football, and the rest of us don't really care about fantasy football. But we just like to get on, have a reason to, to talk to one another. So we started taking all the money that we're putting in for the pot, and we just started betting every week. We won a, a five-game or a five-bet parlay last week for a, a 7.28 to 1 payout. Feeling pretty good about myself. I uh, didn't pick a single thing because I'm the mush. But anyways, Packers are going uh, as favorites here, and the Denver Broncos going to Mile High Stadium to play Denver, Russell Wilson, Sean Payton, and the crew. This is really, if you look at this week coming off the bye, the way that things ended the last uh, the last game we watched these guys, uh, last couple games really, this is a big opportunity to get back on track for what I would consider a very winnable month. You look at the next four games. Broncos, this is a very, very winnable game. Vikings, not playing their best football, a lot of trade talks. Anytime, listen, anytime you start hearing a lot of trade talks around your team and they're not in first place, you start going, hey, we got some problems. Broncos, trade talks, Jerry Judy. Vikings, trade talks, multiple players. Rams are actually on the come up. Uh, Matthew Stafford's playing at a high level right now. They're still missing some pieces. Uh, they're still missing uh, some, some pieces on the defensive line. Even though they have Aaron Donald, they just don't have some guys on defense. That could be a score fest. And then you got the Steelers who've got just a mishmash of things to figure out. Obviously, you know, first team all pro TJ Watt, uh, Cameron Hayward, one of my favorite, you know, all time players, really the defensive tackle position. But these are very, very winnable games. These are all games that are not very good. Uh, those none of those teams are really good at establishing the run, um, versus what we, you know, consider our Achilles heel on the, on the defensive side of the football. Starting here with the Broncos, they're just a tick above, I think, the Packers in, in that statistic. But we, you think about like the next four weeks. At two and three, coming off your bye, knowing that you're going to a long stretch of the season, um, if you want to be in the playoff hunt, you've got to think about three and one at worst after the next four weeks. And not only three and one, but like a vastly improved three and one. Because the weeks after that, you got the Chargers. Listen, Brandon Staley's probably going to get fired. But Justin Herbert, anytime, if you watch the guy play, Keenan Allen, if you watch them play, like you, they're going to have a chance in every game. They're going to keep their team in it. I don't know why they're not better with 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 Mac and Joey Bosa. I just like you don't know why they're not just completely dominant with those two guys. Um, I know there's obviously a Dur- uh, Derwin James. There's so many good players on that team. Why are they not more dominant? I don't know. 
especially with a defensive head coach, another story. Then you play the Lions. Then you play the Chiefs. If you don't go three and one against the next four teams, you've got yourself, I'd say, a lot of issues to deal with over the long term. The good news is the Broncos have a ton of issues. And I, I got it on the ticker, man. I'm all for it, okay? This is a team, just to put this kind of in context as last season, because remember that Nathaniel Hackett's there. They bring Russell Will. This is a team people wanted to go to. Everyone thought Aaron Rodgers was going to go here last year. They started the year last year. They had Bradley Chubb on the field. Melvin Gordon was still kind of up. Highly regarded running back. I mean, he was on the downhill slope, but he hadn't fumbled a thousand times. Jerry Judy's on the rise as a potential star. They have this great secondary, Justin Simmons leading the way. They have Kareem Jackson. Pat Sertain's about to be an all-pro. Like, they have dudes everywhere. This was one of those places where you thought, if I get the right guy at quarterback, we're going to go a long way in a very, very tough division. Hot team in need of a quarterback. Then they bring in Hackett and Wilson. We all kind of don't need to rehash that. Let's just say it was an unfortunate situation, not a good marriage. Um, guys were not performing. The whole Russell Wilson thing was laughable. They ship Chubb to Miami. They get rid of Randy Gregory. They just got rid of Frank Clark. You know, this is the this is just such an interesting looking group now because you bring in Sean Payton. He's fresh off the the desk. He's you know all of Rex Ryan. You like I'm sitting right now telling you what's wrong with other teams, and he presented he kind of presented his himself. I don't know if he even did this. I think maybe people just did this for him, but they presented himself as this like wise old sage that could fix this offense, that could fix Russell Wilson. It seems like six, seven games into the season, week seven, I think we're in now. It seems like the head coach doesn't really like the quarterback. Um, they're definitely running what I would call an antiquated system as compared to some of the stuff you see from San Francisco, from Miami, from, from some of these other innovative teams. Um couple of quotes that I just, I, you know, I wouldn't usually run these out, but they were so much fun to look at. Uh, will you blanking stop kissing all the babies? You're not running for public office, he told Wilson. Um, talking about, I think after the first or second game, there are a number of drives where we were late with personnel getting out of the huddle. We took a while. That has to change. We had to burn timeouts in the first half. I'm not used to doing that. In other words, I'm not used to doing that because I don't have these kind of problems. We have to be better. I have to be better. Russ has to be sharper getting the play in and out. And we have to look at, how much we have in. If we need a wristband, we will. The suggestion was that the wristband is like a, a lower level of thinking, which is complete nonsense. I don't know if that was a media aberration or something that Sean Payton was insinuating. Ridiculous. Here's what's more ridiculous. Earlier in the offseason, when he was bashing Nathaniel Hackett, bashing the, the, the former coaching staff, he said, shoot, they couldn't even get a play in. They were 29th in the league in pre-snap penalties, both sides of the ball. And then after week one or two, you realize maybe it's just not the coaching staff. Another quote, and it's not just Russell. It was poor offensive line. It might have been the worst, one of the worst coaching jobs in the history of the NFL. That's how bad it was. Um, right now, they're 19th in rushing at 100, uh, 106 yards a game. They're 20th in passing at 200 yards a game. Uh, Russell Wilson is 66% completion percentage, but he's been sacked 19 times. Some might come to the conclusion, I'm an offensive lineman, so I might come to this conclusion. Some other people might come to the conclusion that he is stat padding and holding on to the ball for too long. But what is in, in, un, uh, in not uh, uh, undisputable, indisputable, indisputable, I believe, is that in the Chiefs game, 
whatever Sean Payton has come in and thought he was going to run turned into a poor version of let Russ cook towards the end. When it got into crucial situations and he realized either A, guys weren't open, or B, those weren't throws he was willing to, he could see or, or make decisions on. So Russell Wilson, if they're averaging 106 yards a carry or a, 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 a game, Russell is actually averaging 6.8 yards a carry. Russell Wilson is averaging six points. I mean, they have a good, a decent running game. McLaughlin's averaging six six, but you start. It's again, it's the same idea. When you start thinking about how the team is constructed, what they're good at, what we can attack, this team has a lot of deficiencies, and we haven't even gotten to the def defensive center, uh, side of the ball. Defensive stats: Vance Joseph. Uh, was a coordinator with me in Miami, head coach in Arizona for, I think, a year. Now the defensive coordinator in Denver, they are. Now, listen, they gave up a 70-burger to, to the Miami Dolphins, so take it for what it's worth. Last in points allowed, 31.7 points per game. Last in yards per game, 440 yards per game. 440 yards given up per game. That is, uh, I never even heard of that. I mean, there's some insane things going on. Miami's putting up insane numbers on the offensive side. That's an insane defensive stat. They're last in rushing, 172 yards per game. They just got rid of Frank Clark. They traded Randy Gregory. Those guys weren't playing at a high level, but their name's in this league. Why are they not playing at a high level? There's a lot of questions. But the one thing I have to say going into this game, there's a reason the Packers are only favored by one. As bad as that looks, they're not that bad on, on defense. They played a good game last week. They have good players. They have a really good secondary with playmakers, Justin Simmons, Pat Sertain uh, Jr. For, for two of them. They have guys. Let's look at this tape. And the first question you have to ask yourself if I'm the Denver Broncos fan is, who is the guy? Who's the guy on the scene? Because Cortland Sutton, is, Sutton right now is the best – receiver they have they're trying to get jerry judy involved okay so they're putting him in the backfield i think they put this is maybe the first play of the game they do this a couple more times they're trying to find some mismatches they're trying to find some opportunities they're going to run texas right off this a little bit later on so they're moving him around then you see the bottom of the screen this is the guy i mean look at that comes in here and just waylays eric reed to open up this lane so they've got guys playing hard and what I'll say is they've got dudes blocking in the running game. Cortland Sutton is not the only one in block. Jerry Judy's blocking in the running game. These guys are putting in work. You watch, start watching the stuff, you realize they're just not that talented. They're, I mean, they don't have like a dog at running back. Their offensive line is okay. They're not great. I think they brought in Mike McGlinchey uh, from San Francisco. I'm going to show you a couple of clips that maybe suggest that he's a good matchup that we like against Rashawn Gary and company. So they're averaging 4.9 yards a carry. You got to remember they're always behind in all these games, but they can run the ball a little bit. Like 4.9 is not bad. Even with the Russell Wilson padded stats, it's not bad. You know, I said deceiving uh, because when you're down all the time, you see a lot of five and six man boxes. You get an opportunity to, 
you know, get some 10 yard bursts and maybe some explosive runs that aren't there. But these guys, I think just fundamentally are again, unfortunately, I hate to say this, but like a get right game. You watch Chris Jones here and Chris, jo here's what I would say about this offensive line. They do enough single blocking with their scheme that if like, can this could be defensive tackles could have a huge impact on this game. You just see easy, easy release for Chris Jones and play. You know, I look, you look again here, just completely shuts off, wipes 77, makes the play. I think this could be I, and I reason I, I, I wanted to show a couple Chris Jones plays. Not only Chris Jones is a defensive player of the year candidate, you know, just like they saw against Max, Max Crosby last week, but this could be one of those Kenny Clark signature games because they do enough single blocks where he's going to get one of these guards, maybe he gets McGlinchey on the tackle, on the, on the down block, on the drive block to the backside, where you're going to get opportunities to get singled up, and Kenny has to just have a dominant performance. Because this stuff, like for me, when I see this, this is all day with Kenny Clark. He should be able to do this all day versus these particular athletes. Other people might make the play, but just a dominant performance. You see here some of the same issues that plagued the Green Bay Packers, plagued the uh, Denver Broncos, miscommunication here between the two tight ends. They think they're going to combo this up. They go to the wrong guy. So this stuff is happening all across the league. It's not just us, um, but these are opportunities. When you look at how to stop the Denver Broncos, you have to take something away. I think the number one thing you take away is their ability to run the football. I think right now you want Russell Wilson to have to drop back and we'll show you, you know, what that has kind of devolved into, I think, over the last couple of weeks. But I think this is the number one thing to do is stop that run game. One thing that Sean Payton is, he's old school, man. He gets it. If your second unit's in, in other words, if Kenny and Rashawn and Pre if they all go out and you bring in all your backups, they're going to take advantage and they're going to run the rock. They got a, a lot of really good runs over the last couple of weeks against the second unit. When the second unit's in, and usually the second, so for, for fans that don't know, first unit starts, let's say first unit starts the, the drive. If you get a first down, maybe a second first down, they're going to sub out. You know, after three, four plays, they're going to sub those guys out. And then you can get pretty much guarantee when you get to the plus 40, in other words, when you start getting close to field goal range, they don't want to give up that field goal, their first unit's going to come back in. So between like the minus 30 and the plus 40, there's a good chance you're going to see the second unit. And when you do, guys like Sean Payton, they're going to run the football down your throat or they're going to work that deep play action if they think that they have a guy on like a Rashawn Gary who's a real difference maker in the passing game. When he goes out, man, it's time to hold the ball. I would expect the screen game to feature this week. Because I think they're going to like that matchup. Um, I think they're going to like the matchup on our linebacker, their linemen versus our linebackers. I think they're going to like the fact that when you watch this tape, if I'm Preston, if I'm Kenny, if I'm Rashawn Gary, I feel pretty confident I can get some penetration on this on this offensive line. You see, Russell has been, and Russell holds the ball. He doesn't have great vision in the pocket. So what do you have to do with a you know if you're if you're a coach with a quarterback who doesn't have great vision and likes to run, you want to put in design plays like screens, 
Like if Sean Payton wants to control this offense better, he's going to run screen games or run quick, quick screens. Like he's going to run like predetermined routes, things that you're going to throw fades. He's going to do that because that's a, what Russell's good at aside from improvising and B he can control what's going on. So I'd expect the run game to play heavy this week. Jerry Judy made this like really, really uh, listen. This is whole thing was weird. Steve Smith's an old teammate of mine. Uh, I'm sure everybody saw what happened on the sidelines. Uh, it'll be interesting. So after that game, I think he had like three, three catches. And, you know, Cortland Sutton's clearly the number one here. I mean, statistically, they're similar. Cortland's got four touchdowns and uh, to Judy zero. But statistically, they're pretty similar. But I think what the expectation is for Jerry Judy and then coming off that and having to deal with the frustration of not getting the ball as, as often as he wants, but also having to deal with now, like Steve Smith, everybody knows who he is. And that was all over social media last week. So now you have to deal with this idea that you can't handle criticism. You're not thick skinned and blah, 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 blah. And you're dealing with these trade things. There's a lot going on. So this is a really talented guy. And like when you put him in a position like this, where now he's matched up on a linebacker and he runs a Texas route. I mean, this is all you can eat for a guy like Russell Wilson. He can make this throw all day. And again, this is one of those throws when I'm talking about like with Sean Payton, when you put, they used to do this with Reggie Bush. When you put a really talented guy in a situation where he's going to play against a linebacker, the quarterback, listen, you might not throw it, but the like read one heavy, heavy, hey, first read is this, we're going to this guy. This isn't like pick a side, read it out. This isn't like check out. This is, we want the ball to go to the Texas route unless they do something dramatic that prevents it. Because we know that this is a mismatch. Russell Wilson has been historically one of the best deep ball throwers in the National Football League. Um, that ha that ability to connect hasn't changed. He might not be as good at some other things that he used to be, but he can throw, especially when he knows where he's going with the ball. They run a sale seven here on the bottom of the uh, screen. He can throw this all day long. And when you have vision, in other words, when your eyes, if you're short and your eyes go downfield and you go to the outside, you all of a sudden have vision. And on plays like this, this is a predetermined play. He sees the coverage pre-snap. He checks the safety post-snap and he makes the throw. He knows what's going on. This isn't about making layered reads. This isn't about having to, you don't have to worry about a lot here. And these are the kind of plays that if I'm Sean Payton, I'm going to try to put into the, the, the menu of plays that are kind of at the top of the list, right? Things that open up his field of vision, things that force him to make a pre-snap decision and live with it, as opposed to dropping back as we'll show here in a minute and kind of running for your life. But Russell Wilson, make no mistake about it. He's not afraid to throw these balls. He can throw these balls. He's had a ton of success throwing these balls. They run under center play action. This is, again, kind of an old school, you know, somewhat antiquated offense. I don't say that. Uh, I actually don't even say that disparagingly. I love their offense. But you have to sell the run. You look at the linebacker for Kansas City here. He doesn't buy this at all because – all of the linemen are dropping back. Their pad level goes up. Poor fake by Russell Wilson. 
And obviously everyone has seen this play that he makes a very, very poor read. But, you know, part of this is you're not doing a good job of selling the play action pass. And when your linebacker drops immediately on the snap of the ball because you're not selling it, you're going to put yourself in a position to be unsuccessful. These are the things, if you're studying tape at the linebacker position, whether it's Quay, whether it's Devondre, whether it's Isaiah McDuffie, understand the difference between him handing the ball off and not looks completely different from the end zone copy. I think this is their real game plan, at least going into – I shouldn't say that. I think this is where it's gone off the rails for, for Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And no maybe, nowhere more evident than maybe this last weekend against the Chiefs. They're doing a worse version of let Russ cook. They're doing a worse version of let Russ. In other words, let Russ cook was, I'm going to drop back. And I'm going to start looking at the rush almost immediately. If my first read's not open, I'm going to start moving around and make things happen. And this is what it looked like. Now, a lot of that has to do with the, the, the protection scheme. A lot of that has to do with the ability of the, the tackles in particular to not give up pressure because he likes to drop back further. Why? Because he needs to see he's shorter, so you need a better field vision. You need to get back further. That kind of screws up the geometry of the pocket, I think, at some, at some times with these tackles. He doesn't really want to step up. But this kind of play where you think he's in, his, in their grasp and he ends up making a play to the tight end here for a, you know, darn near a first down, that's a big deal. The other thing is they've got multiple issues when it comes to protection schemes. You see one of them here is 82 on Chris Jones is an absolute mismatch. And then you got Garrett Bowles with poor technique on the other side. But if you watch this scheme right here, the way you've set this up, you've put yourself in a position, you know Chris Jones is going to be left defensive end. And they might walk up guys, they might walk up a guy uh, bossed up on the on the tight end. But McGlinchey doesn't have to block anybody here. And 82 is getting absolutely steamrolled. And it's like, are you kidding me? And you look at the other side, and if I'm Preston, like there's a formula for winning uh, against Garrett Bowles. And it's really simple, right? His first step's wide. He turns on his second. You see that the, that hands out to reach. You bull that outside shoulder with everything you got and, and make him turn, make him drop that back foot. Russell Wilson likes to get back deep, so he'll have to step up. That changes the timing of his throws. Now, all of a sudden, we're kind of moving around. I mean... It seems impossible that he gets that far back without realizing what's going on and then has to duck at the last minute. But this happens more often than not. This kid can make plays. This this man can make plays, though. He can definitely make plays. So you look here. Sometimes you watch some of this stuff and you go, is this a scheme problem? Because, like, this is four on two, no matter how you look at it. Now, when you're running the keep pass – on the goal line, a lot of people are expecting it. Obviously, a lot of there's a lot of tips and tells from the offensive line. Obviously, you can throw the flat ball here. You have a chance to throw the flat and just get out of it. But Russell's going to do Russell things, and while it almost costs him a safety here, he ends up making a really big play, and I believe getting the first down. I mean, this is what he's really, really good at. Now, again, on a gotta have it fourth down play, they put their tight end against the defensive, left defensive end. This is a got-to-have-it moment. And this is what, when you start, 
you know, everyone wants to do some Russell Wilson bashing or what, like if you're the offensive coordinator and we used to do this with Bubba Franks. I remember one time we go to, we go to Tennessee when they have Javon curse and Javon's like in the year two or three, when he was like, they call, you know, he was the freak and they're like, put like 74 protection and Bubba's in the huddle going like, are you guys kidding me? 74 protection was Tauscher helps with the right guard and then maybe pops out late. But essentially Bubba had to block Javon curse by himself. And it's like, what are we, what are we doing? That doesn't make any sense. And that's what they're doing here. They're kicking back. 82 is trying to kick back. Luckily he gets beat early. Luckily for the Broncos, he gets beat so bad early that Russell can escape outside. But this is a fourth and have a play. We got double. We got single coverage, double coverage. I mean, three man route, and they're running a lot of three man routes because they're worried about protection. Okay, so there's not a lot of people in, in these in a lot of these route schemes unless they're going to try to get it out early. But all these five step, seven step drops, they're keeping guys in, running backs in, tight ends in or chipping. Right, they're running these three man routes. It's 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 a hard life out there. But he doesn't even get rid of the ball. And so that's when you start, is he padding stats? Well, why why would you not throw the ball on a fourth down? You certainly are going to give it up here. Looking again, they're in 11 personnel. They keep the tight end in. Lynchy gets gets beat here. And this is what I'm talking about. And I, I think, quite frankly, I know they just paid this guy a ton of money. I said it last offseason. I, I didn't know if I loved the, the free agent transaction here uh, when, when they did bring him over just because – you watch this guy on tape. When you're that tall, sometimes you get you can punch too high and you get underneath. Chris Jones beats him badly here. I I would imagine with with Rashawn Gary this weekend, the leverage he can have, the stiff arm, the stiff arm to the club, the chop, you know, going in back inside with the arm over. I would imagine he has a big day with pressures. I don't know how many he'll get because I think Russell Wilson's still pretty elusive, at least uh, in, in the last couple of weeks. But you know, this is this is a very beatable right tackle. I mean, that's just. It's just too easy. That is just way, way too easy. Got another play action pass under center. And this is what I'm talking about. You've really essentially got a two-man route. I know you got the check down here on the on the right of the screen, but this is a low probability win because you've got a team that's that's playing too high and they're just gonna jump both of these routes. You gotta you gotta place you gotta really play perfect football here the timing seems off just based on where the the backside uh crosses on the 38 yard line it just feels a little bit off from a timing standpoint needs to be further over but these are low probability win plays and why i'm saying that is it always seems that way with with the russell wilson team and so when you're rushing them if you have lane discipline and you're able to feel like you're able to beat your guy I just think there's a ton of opportunities to really harass him in the running game. And then it becomes a question of, are we going to spy or not? Because I think this is what he really wants to do is just get out and kind of maneuver around. Let's just call it what it is. The Denver Broncos. Uh, I just put some stats up there. They're just not good. You know, points against 190 points per game, 31.7 yards per game, 440 uh, passing yards, 1600 already. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, that's 14 sacks. I guess that's that's okay. Now, they've given up 19, but 14 sacks. They've got a couple guys that can rush the passer. Um, they've obviously gotten rid of Bradley Chubb last year, Randy Gregory, Frank Clark. Like, this is a depleted team. 
They've had some injuries. I think, you know, Pat Sertain's certainly a, a, a really, really high-level player. You think about, you know, Justin Simmons being a high-level player, Kareem Jackson. I was like Kareem when he was in Houston. But they just have not played up to up to level. They run multiple fronts. They run different coverages. Uh, they like to play a soft zone. They'll go to man every once in a while. Really, really last week, what you ex- what you saw exploited was they'll play a 3-4, so you want to attack those edges. I don't think their outside linebackers are mm, as good as they once were as far as personnel that they had there in the last couple of years, certainly with Vaughn, certainly with Chubb. You can block them with linebackers at times. You see how a quick toss out to the other side. They're bringing the safety down, gets caught here. Can get downhill. This is a good offensive line, good running backs. I mean, Kansas City Chiefs are a good team. You have to account for their play. I think the biggest thing when you think about attacking the Denver Broncos is just make sure their playmakers don't make plays on you. Make sure Justin Simmons doesn't make every tackle. Make sure Pat Sertain doesn't shut down one of your guys. Everybody else is is manageable. These are all NFL players, but they're manageable. But like this, this kind of play, you just can't allow it to happen. One thing you saw in this Kansas City game is Patrick Mahomes had a ton of time to throw. He ends up getting caught here and they end up getting the pick. But they had a ton of time to throw. And They'll get into nickel and they'll run multiple fronts. We saw this with uh, against the uh, the Saints. They'll run like a five man front here and they'll leave forty seven up top. Uh, Josie Jewell. They'll bring down the safety, or they might even go base defense here four three, and just instead of running their three four, they have four three personnel and they'll run it more like a five man line, like a fifty seven front. We got a bunch look uh, on the bottom here. They go play action. And what you love about play action against the Denver Broncos is their linebackers like to read eyes. So they don't drop to spots. They kind of backpedal. And there's this soft area because their safeties will play really deep, especially if you have some speed up top. So you think about like a Christian Watson kind of, kind of challenging the leverage of the safeties. And then you got some undercuts by, could it be Jalen Reed? Could it be Romeo Dobbs? But, you know, these are in cuts that, this is a drag by Kelsey. Luke Musgrave could run this route. But these are plays that you feel like Jordan Love would be good at making. And these linebackers are allowing this to happen. And again, there's a lot of four-man rush. So against a play-action pass with the timing and a four-man rush, these opportunities look realistic. Now, Kelsey's out here freestyling a lot during this game, but this was not one of those plays. Talk about plays that Jordan love would love, okay? When they're playing their soft zone stuff, when they decide to back up to the 40 and you can run quick outs, this stuff is easy to move the chains for the Green Bay Packers offense. We're looking for – yeah, you're still looking for what are you good at, what do you do well, what does he like to do. And I, I, I'm i of the opinion, quick outs, uh, intermediate, you know, in route, in cuts – are things that Jordan Love does well. So the more that we can throw of those, and this team will give them to you, the more you can throw, the better. 
you look on the top of the screen here, you got two guys wide open. It's just who do you want to throw to? Bottom of the screen, you got one guy wide open. Who do you want to throw to? Take the five. I thought last week in particular, because of who they're playing, they traded rush for coverage. That just very simply means they want to drop seven every time. So he had all day to throw, but I think he, I think Mahomes had three picks. Like he did not have one of his signature games. And this is a division opponent, so they know each other very well. Um, Green Bay Packers have not always uh, have to do under center play action pass, but if you pull the guard, you see what happens to these linebackers. They are gonzo, right? You pull the guard and you just tag this with a quick stand. This is right off the tape. So they noticed if you pull the right guard, they have an RPO look here. If that linebacker vacates, they are throwing this slant right now. They're head up on the slant. He wins inside, little burst. We saw this play last year towards the end of the season. Uh, went to Watson for a touchdown. It was Aaron Rodgers. Same, same kind of play, though. RPO, vacate the linebacker, make an easy throw and catch. I went back because I don't think, quite frankly, the Chiefs are a very good comp for the Green Bay Packers. I think the Jets are much closer. Why? Young quarterback. He is playing better. Offensive line that is a work in progress. Stud running back. Stud wide receiver. Good tight end. So they have kind of pieces in place. Don't have it all put together yet. But you watch the first series of the Broncos versus the Jets. And you see that the Broncos actually look like a pretty decent football team. And this isn't too long ago. So they're missing DJ Jones. He was a San Francisco 49er, played no tackle there. Um, he's a good player for them. If he comes back, Josh Myers is going to have all you can handle with this with this guy. I think he's a good player. Does really well in the run game. Not much of a pass, uh, pass blocker. Excuse me, pass rusher. Does a really good job here with his inside hand, forcing back the Jets center, really making this play. Benito's got five and a half sacks. Somebody's got to step up, you know, next man up kind of idea with Chubb and Gregory gone. Um, this guy has has a good motor. I don't see, I don't see Zach Tom personally having a hard time with him. I don't see uh, Rashid Walker having a hard time with him. I, I see him being an effort guy. If we hold on to the ball, we create issues for ourselves and there are issues to be created, then he can capitalize on them. But I do not see him having uh, an issue. Elijah Vera Tucker just takes a really bad set here and gets beat. That happens, but... Okay, this is a, this is the Preston Smith. This isn't just Green Bay. You run a 3-4 defense, sometimes your outside linebacker gets caught in the slot, and sometimes the team's smart enough to put you know, their wide receiver out on you. It doesn't just happen in Green Bay, right? This happens all the time. This is from the first series two weeks ago. Jets, Broncos, what do they do? Exact same route, exact same play, exact same result. Another San Francisco guy uh, making plays here for the Denver Broncos in the middle, talking about Mike Purcell now. But they'll do a good job moving off the spot. You see how key it is 
if we're going to the problem with staying in in uh 12 to 21 personnel is when they go three, four, that means Myers has to block guys by himself sometimes more often than not. And he's not, he hasn't shown with his footwork that he is maybe as good as he used to be at doing that as we thought he was going to be maybe his first year or second year, the Broncos, as good as you can talk about their secondary, there are so many opportunities in the passing game. And you just see here, Zach just doesn't even see this guy, but I mean, they they literally didn't, I mean, they didn't even, there's, there's, what, two dudes run into each other. There's four guys over there guarding one, and they just completely miss this. And so there's there's opportunities abound. Unfortunately, for the Jets, they didn't make them, but that's how the ball, you know, I mean, that, that's, part of, that's part of the deal is, is being able to capitalize on issues when guys make mistakes. So I got a couple keys to the game. Well, let me start with some matchups. Excuse me. Here are my matchups. Uh, our running game versus their nickel defense for the reasons I just told you about not wanting to go in base. I think we have the ability to control the edges on, uh, against their nickel defense. I think, you know, Mike Lynchy, I think Rashawn Gary, I think that's an all day. Let's have some fun with it matchup. I think Gary could have a big – I just – the leverage – the six-foot-eight thing, because he's not a big dude. He's just a tall dude. I just think it's really tough to get the bend that you need. And, listen, you can you can look really good in the San Francisco 49ers offense and then look really not good in the Denver Broncos offense. And those two – like, it doesn't – you could be the exact same guy. It's just the way that they call plays, the, you know, obviously playing for Russell Wilson, the way that he has to drop back maybe a little bit extra or maybe, maybe he hangs back a little bit further – it just puts those tackles in a bind because, again, that geometry of the pocket changes a little bit. So I think that's a matchup that you you have to like. Garrett Bowles, too. Garrett Bowles is, usually leads the league or is top five of the league in, in holding calls. So he's not going to give up sacks to Preston, but he could very well get a couple holding calls or some sort of some sort of procedure penalty. And then maybe the play that is uh, – the matchup that's most interesting is, is Quay versus Russell Wilson. Are we going to spy? If they're going to run – that let Russ cook these two or three, these two man routes that are running right next to each other and don't really look like they have an opportunity. You know, sometimes they split the field and give them one half the field to look at with the other half he can run to. So if we do to, you know, I would spy this, this team. I think I would spy this team because I think by the time he has to get to his second read or he can't, maybe can't see through the forest and he has to, he has to, he has to make a move. When Quay decides that he wants to go tackle Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson is not going to get away. In other words, if you keep Quay at the line of scrimmage and go, you know what? First time you break the pocket, man, I'm coming for you. Like, I, I think this is he's purpose built to do exactly that. So I think if they decide to make that move, I think that's a big win for the Green Bay Packers. I think the Packers have an advantage, a real advantage. Uh, with just about every play call they make offensively this weekend. I mean, you just look at the state, man, these guys are last in everything. And I know there was a 70 point game. There's a little bit different uh, that change that really skews their numbers, but even with the, I mean, they're still just playing bad football on the defensive side, too many mental errors, too many protection, or excuse me, too many coverage breakdowns, some poor tackling from time to time. 
they're better than they put on tape against the really elite level Miami Dolphins. You watch the Jets game, watch the Chiefs games, they're trending in the right direction. The question is, can you catch them in this moment? Now, we just had John Runyon Jr. talk about, hey, we're trying to expand the field. You're going to see a little bit of the Miami Dolphins offense this week. I don't know what he's saying. I don't know why he's saying that. It was kind of a soundbite deal. But if that was the case, you know, 70 points is it's a lot. That's a lot. So they've tried to pressure. They, they, they play the soft zone. They'll play man. They've just had a really hard time generating a pass rush with four. They traded, like, coverage for pass rush last week. And at times they've had hard, you know, hard time communicating on the back end. You see Travis Kelsey has a big week last week, but Mahomes has, has multiple interceptions. And really, if you look at Kelsey, like we don't have Luke Musgrave is not going to run his own routes. I mean, Travis Kelsey is literally running like basketball routes in football yesterday or last week on Thursday night football. Like he's doing he's faking the linebacker out and pivoting the other way. He's just really going to a spot, reading the defense and making things happen. We don't have that. So keys to victory. Number one, spy Russell Wilson. Number two take advantage of their linebackers looking in the backfield with that under center play action pass. Get the deep crossers, get the drag routes with Luke Musgrave, get the in cuts. And I think number three is if you get a chance to slam the door shut on this team, close the door. You know, the Green Bay Packers, whether that's by getting up multiple touchdowns, that's why by maintaining the same game plan, the same pressure when you do get up. But if you do get to a point where you're up, 14, 17 points. Shut the door on this team. For all the Russell Wilson talk, the one thing that I feel confident about is that he can put his team in a position to be successful when he starts going off script. And so when teams start playing super deep zone, they're rushing, you know, they rush three or four, they're giving him time. And now he can start scrambling around. If you let him get that time, Historically in his career, he's done good with it. So with that said, slam the door shut on this team if you have the opportunity. The only question we have uh, this week from a, a guy, I did the show a little bit early, so it's going to look a little bit different um, than normal, is that, uh, you know, with the Packers bye week being last week, is this is this kind of the opportune time? I think the obvious answer is um, right dead smack in the middle of the season is the best time to have the bye week because then you're, you know, just rested up. As long as you don't have the bye week in the first four weeks or like the last four weeks, I think that's probably good. If it's in, you know, if like week six to week 12, you're probably feeling pretty good about yourself because you're tired and then you can go for that final push. Momentum has a lot to do with that. Do you want to go in after losing a couple? Do you want to go in after winning a couple? Like I think the circumstances of the team, are you beat up? Do you need the break? Are you rolling? There really is never a good or a bad time, except for I remember early in my career, you could get like a week one bye, a week two bye, and that was an absolute disaster for teams. Luckily, the Packers were so good that they would never do that to us. Um, I think if you're a good team, you know, bad teams, bad records, like get – bad schedules from the, from the league. Um, Packers always had good records, so we got very, very lucky with that. Packers this weekend, one-point favorites. I think this is going to be a very difficult game, personally. I think that the, the Broncos are 
better than they've shown on, on, on tape, you know, from the beginning of the season, I think they're improving. They're still not winning. I think the hard part now is if I'm putting myself in the, in that locker room, I think there's a ton of questions about Sean Payton. Sean Payton doesn't seem like he likes coaching these guys. In other words, uh, Bill Parcells, that generation of coach, that model, that that um, the way that you go about your business back then was much less about creating a relationship with your athletes, and it was a more formal, more um, authoritative way to go about business. What I say is the law. I'm right. You're wrong. I'm going to talk to you in a certain way that you probably would not take in 2023. These young guys are not going to take the way that some of these older gentlemen used to talk to us. I mean, as you certainly, anybody who played high school football, if it's my age knows exactly what I'm talking about. So this, this is, this is, uh, an interesting thing because you've got a guy who is very, very, very self-aware at the quarterback position who wants to be regarded as an elite, who wants to be seen at, you know, at, at tennis tournaments with, with glasses on when it's not, when it's dark outside that wants to be, you know, at, at the red carpet of everything that wants to be a social media darling. He wants all this stuff. And you've got a, the other, the coach who has no idea about that world, has never been interested in that world, and believes fundamentally that that world is drawing success away from his, not only that individual player, but that team. So there's not a lot of joy. It doesn't appear outwardly that there's a lot of joy between, or or there's not a lot of room for relationship building between that coach, that player, maybe the entire locker room. I don't know. It's just how it looks. There's a lot of he's doing this wrong, that, you know, that coaching staff is too. There's just a lot of talk that has not, nothing's been really, you know, I'm really excited to be here. I'm really excited to coach this team. It just doesn't seem that way. And that where I'm just telling you that wears on a locker room. I don't know the guy at all. I'm just telling you that wears on a locker room. So if you're one in five, You've traded Randy Gregory. You cut Frank Clark. You're thinking about trading Jerry Judy. You're basically saying, right, not to get into this too much, but when you start jettisoning all these guys, what's what are you really saying? You're really saying it's not my fault. We don't have the right guys. Like I can't fix the problems that you've created by, by bringing in the wrong people. Sean Payton is, you know, I'm not saying that he's saying that directly, but the the what you're alluding to is because you're right now you're in the Caleb Williams and Rex Ryan sweepstakes. Caleb Williams being the first pick in the draft because you're one and five. Rex Ryan just being the first guy I could think of that you know was a head coach had had some success in the National Football League and has been on on the desk you know talking media for the last couple of years. Like that's where you're at right now. And so for Sean Payton, if you don't think you're going to turn this thing around, you're certainly not going to probably make the playoffs this year unless something dramatic happens. You have to start going, 
all right, well, you know, the famous parcels, like, you know, I got to, I got to buy the groceries if you want me to make the dinner. I butchered that, but you know what I mean? He's saying, I don't have the right groceries right now. You need to get some better guys. And whether that's true or not, it's just when you're jettisoning, like name guys, Frank, Gregory, maybe Jerry Judy, Russell Wilson's always being talked about. Can we, can we get rid of his contract? It's, this is a tough environment from a locker room standpoint to really get behind. And so I think every game they go into, I'm sure they got guys that just want to play for the love of the game, but there's enough guys on most of these NFL teams that are doing this because it's a job, not a passion. And so when this job no longer becomes fun, I think it's very easy to push those guys off the edge. So this is one of those teams where I think there's going to be opportunities during the team to break some of the guys that you're playing against. Question is, can you do it? Are we good enough to do it at the Green Bay side? Because the Green Bay Packers are not in that situation from a maybe toxicity standpoint, but you are in that situation from you just don't have the same caliber team right now because a lot of them are young and you lost a Hall of Fame quarterback. But they're not developed enough to be considered like a top-tier elite-level group. They might be in a, two, a year, you know, 2024, 2025. This might be one of the most talented rosters in the league, but it's not right now. So – It'll be interesting, man. It'll be fun. I think kickoff's at uh, 425 Eastern in Denver. Uh, guys, check me out, Michael 68 on Twitter, process to perform on Instagram. If you're enjoying these preview shows, if you enjoy this tape, the film analysis, whatnot, please hit the subscribe button, rate, and review us on our process to perform channel on YouTube. Uh, have a great weekend. I will see everybody after the Denver Broncos Green Bay Packers game. Break it down, break down the film, and analyze. So, Enjoy the weekend, everyone. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.